All right. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. It's your brother Ben X. Welcome back to the Brother Ben X podcast. And today we have a special guest, Sister Deborah Peoples, and she's running for mayor, which she may be the first black mayor of Fort Worth. And we have the early voting, which I believe is ending today. And what we wanted to discuss is who she is. And um, brother, uh, a couple of brothers reached out actually to have her on the platform uh, so that we can talk about some of the things that she wants to implement in our communities. Um, and I said that I would like to have a conversation with her uh, on the live and allow some of the audience who live in the area to maybe even ask some questions so they can get an understanding of who they are voting for so they can have an understanding of what they are actually voting for. I think in the past, many of us just voted because somebody said so or just voted because it was the things to do. But I think it's time for us to start to have a comprehensive knowledge on what they are voting for. So if there's anything that she needs in the future that the people need to show up for, they know what they showed up for. So they all know why they need to show up again for that continued support, because I'm sure it doesn't end here with just voting. So let's bring to the stage, Sister Deborah Peoples. How you doing? I am good. I said, I'm a Lake and Brother Ben. Thank you for having me on uh, today. I am just so excited uh, to be here and grateful to be sitting with you who are working so hard to enrich the lives of our people. Indeed, indeed. So let's start off with, um, I guess, your childhood. Do you believe that uh, getting into politics and uh, was being a mayor something that you aspired to do as a child or is this something that developed over time? It, it developed over time, Brother Ben. I grew up in a family that was very involved in social justice work. And so I grew up, I had an, a great uncle who was involved in the desegregation of University of Texas Law School, which led to the start of Texas Southern's Law School. I had a family whose history is much like many of your listeners on this call. They were in East Texas, had a large fam, fam, farm, were working the land, and uh, because the land was so rich, uh, people who didn't look like them wanted that land. They had to leave in the middle of the night and they scattered all over this country. I have some relatives in San Francisco, some who stopped in Arizona, you know, some who went west to Texas. And so my family is uh, like many African-American family a family of, uh, of being denied justice and then working hard all their life to get it. So I didn't start out to be a mayor, but I started out to do social justice work. What did you see uh, at that time that, that, that encouraged you to get into the social justice work? So I saw so many things that were going wrong for people. And so, uh, uh, Ben X, I grew up in Odessa, Texas, was born in Louisiana. And this is an interesting story. My mom and my dad met because my dad was in the military. My mother was a director of the USO. It was the United Service Organization for en en uh, Enlisted Men but they were segregated. And so my mother had worked and managed the colored, the, just think about that, the colored USO. My dad was a serviceman and because they were in segregated, had to be in segregated facilities, they met, fell in love and hence me. 
but I grew up in a world with segregation. I did not go uh, to an integrated school until my 10th year in high school. So I lived uh, under the yoke of segregation and then saw what was happening to communities. So it's something I've always been aware of. Um, last night, I know that yesterday was the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre. I have always known about it, always, that as long as I can remember, my parents talked about these things in our home. And for them, you know, for so long, it was known in the history books as the Tulsa race riot, because it, it implied that we were the unruly people. But my parents always talked about the destruction and the massacre of African-American people in Tulsa and how wealth was set back for generations and generations and generations. For, for those of us who don't have an understanding of politics, when somebody is a mayor, what it, what what position does that entail? What you know? What so, are you now able to do as a mayor? So government, you know, we have most people when they vote, they're voting on the national government. That's where the president handles all 50 states and makes decisions that impact us nationally. And then we talk about statewide and we come down to like Texas, where you have Governor Abbott and the Republican controlled Senate who are trying to handle, uh, who are trying to uh, uh, enact voter suppression laws statewide. But then you come down to the city level and the city level are policies that impact you if you live within the city limits. So they they go with things like infrastructure. In our neighborhoods, do we have street lights? Are our streets paved? Is trash picked up? Uh, do we have adequate housing? Are we handling issues of public safety in our neighborhoods? When you call the fire department, do they get there in a timely manner? All those things that have to do with your much of your day-to-day -day existence fall under the purview of the city. And so, Binex, there are different ways of managing. There are strong mayor forms of government. There's a city manager form of government. We have a city manager form of government in Fort Worth. But what happens is the mayor and the elected leaders, the city council, set the agenda. The city manager then does all the administrative pieces, puts the budget together, says, you know, this is what, and, but the mayor sets the agenda and says, this is what we want to do. This is what I want to see us focus on. And so if the mayor cares about homelessness, if the mayor cares about good jobs for people in neglected communities, if the mayor cares about economic development and lifting up small businesses, then those are things that we can get focused on. And so that is why local elections matter and representation matters and leadership matters. Sounds good. Okay. So with that being said, now we know that the mayor is the one who has the agenda. So, right. now, so, so I'm going to go to this in Fort Worth area. What, what do you, what would you say the top three problems is when it comes to Fort Worth as a city? So I'm going to give you one big overarching one, and then uh, there are so many things that fall under that. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is diversity and inclusion. 
It is diversity and inclusion. So Benix, uh, yesterday or day before, we were named the 12th largest city in the country. The mm. 12th, now think about that. We're bigger than Atlanta. We're bigger than DC. We're bigger than New Orleans. All the places where people of color go because they are valued. We are the 12th largest city in the country, but we don't celebrate uh, the great diversity we have here. We're a minority majority city, about 35% Latinx, about 20% African-American, about 5% Asian, and then the, there are other groupings, but we're a majority minority city but we get locked out on economic development. We get locked out on being at the table and making decisions. We have zip codes that have some of the lowest life expectancies in the country sitting here in our communities, highest infant mortality rate. We got, we were just knocked off our feet with COVID. And so we have a city that doesn't value all the rich history and culture of its citizens. And that is what I want to change. That is why my logo is One Fort Worth. I mean, if one, if one community is succeeding and another community is failing, then we're all failing. When we make sure that all boats rise together, then we're creating a city that where people will want to live and work and stay. When you say we're being locked out, what exactly do you mean and how can that being locked out be changed? Okay, so right now the city is governed by elected officials. There are eight city council districts and then there's the mayor. So there are nine people in leadership positions that are making decisions about what happens at the city, what programs get funded, how we're spending our money. And so we have about... Three years ago, we voted to go to a 10-1 system. We wanted to add two more city council seats so that we could ensure that citizens in this city were better represented. Today, on the council, we have two African-American representatives, one Latin, one Mexican-American representative. But now think about what I just told you. That is two out of, that is three, out of the nine. So that's 33% of our representation looks like the communities of color. But what did I tell you earlier? 35% uh, Mexican-American or Hispanic, 20% African-American, 5% Asian. So the last time I added up, 35 and 20 was uh, 55, and then five more with uh, Asians of color, AAPI, that's 60%. 60% of this city is, is made up of people of color, and yet only 33% of our representation is. So that has a direct impact on who gets appointed to boards and commissions, on who gets an opportunity to make decisions about what is happening in our communities. And that all I want to do is make sure that we are creating seats for everyone at the table so that everybody's voice is heard. Okay, so so being that um, we are in that such a high percentage, but don't have much representation. Uh -huh. What what agenda are you coming to the table with, or would you like to come to the table with when it comes to um, our people specifically first? Okay. So 
one of the biggest things that we have that I want to participate that I want to bring to the table is what inclusion does is we have to focus on economic development. You just talked about being in Puerto Rico at a at a conference that talked about wealth. And so, you know, for other communities, we have established generational wealth. You know, mom and dad get something, they're able to pass it on to their children, their children are able to pass it on uh, to their children. But in our communities, it's just the reverse. Many times we are working to take care of our elderly parents. We are working to do that. So that's why, you know, many times we're stuck between two generations, say from my age. When my kids were growing up, my mom was still alive. I was a caregiver for my mom, uh, you know, and still trying to raise kids. So my mom wasn't able to pass on anything to me, which, but yes, she did. She gave me a great education and a great foundation, but I'm talking about from a financial standpoint, she didn't have it. And so we are trying to create economic development opportunities in our community. So that's number one. Number two, we okay, have to can do I, a Can I stop? Right Don't forget the other yeah. point. But I want to okay. start and, and, and dig into this first one because okay. we're talking about generational wealth. And one of the things that yeah. we do with our BWO program, my brother, Dr. Jake Taylor Jacobs, who actually just got a, a, a doctorate, we talk about the power of life insurance. And many of our communities yeah. don't know about life insurance. They're not taught about life insurance. And many other communities are. So a lot of us are trying to build businesses and pass businesses down. But what if my child doesn't want my business? A lot of us are doing GoFundMe's for funerals when there's no reason we should if we can pay a couple hundred dollars a month or maybe a couple thousand dollars a year on an annual premium. And if we do die, then we have an abundance that's passed down due to life insurance. So I say all that to say <coughs> a, a program or teachers who is teaching this, who do have results, what is the proper way to go in to get funding or set up the programs and have something that can be done so that this can be taught on a, a consistent basis in the community so that we are aware of what life insurance is? Okay. So you, what you're talking about is financial literacy. And so I'm not going to talk just about life insurance because I'm not an actuary or life insurance agent or any of that. But what, well, what, I, is, talk about, yeah, what I want to talk about is financial literacy and making sure that we are not only educating our young people, but educating the people in our community to understand the financial tools that they have at their disposal. And so we have not always had that uh, ability to access capital. You talk about redlining with banks and home ownership and, you know, banks not loaning money. So one of the things is that there are, there are organizations out there and also businesses that teach financial literacy, that teach these types of things. And so we talk a lot about a public-private partnership. The city, the city may have dollars that are available to uh, do a grant with a company that is talking about financial literacy, or. Or as mayor, I may be able to team someone up who wants to teach about financial literacy with someone in the private sector so that we're bringing those programs to our, to our community. But the bottom line is we cannot continue to not do these things in our community. This is what I call benign neglect or systemic racism or whatever you want to say. 
Why should we be struggling in 2021 to understand the value of life insurance? Okay. Or, you know, why should we be struggling in 2021 to pay our premiums? Okay. So I think that there's a lot that can be done, but it starts with making sure that we are in the communities, that we are paying attention to what is going on. And we say, this is not acceptable. Yes, ma'am. Okay, now I stopped you at uh, part one. I think you was going on to the to the second part. You so, yeah, so the next thing I was going to tell, because I was talking about economic development. And so do you know, Ben X, that in our communities, in our communities, small business are the lifeblood of our communities. When you go into our neighborhoods, we don't have big grocery stores. We don't have big department stores. We don't have a lot of fancy restaurants. What we have are smaller businesses. They may be mom and pop businesses, less than 10 employees. But guess what? Those businesses in our neighborhoods hire people who look like us. And so during COVID, I was totally... Uh, concern because many of our businesses of color struggled to survive because when we were on shutdown, you know, their restaurants, their barbershops, their beauty shops, they're all these uh, small entities, but they hire people in the neighborhood. We were our neighbor, our uh, many of them went out of business or they struggled to survive. We had money. Uh, PPE money from uh, the federal government, believe it or not, whatever you think about it, those are monies that come from your tax dollars and you pay taxes, whether you own a home or whatever. You, everyone pay, if you're working, you're going to pay taxes. That money came back to our community, came back to the city. We should have made sure that we were reaching out to some of these small businesses and helping them. I know so many people who said, I didn't apply for that money because it was too much work, or I didn't understand it, or they've scared me and they tell you if you do one wrong thing, they're going to get you for fraud. Do you know that other, other entities were having actual classes to tell people bring your paperwork we will help you fill it out and it's those types of services that the city could be reaching out to people and helping with so you know i wanted to talk about how we have to embrace and support the small businesses in our community because guess what if you're a business with only five people and i sit down and help you and teach you about literacy about marketing about all those things guess what then you grow to 10 people then you grow to 15 people and you're sitting in the heart of our community. And so you're going to hire people who look like us and you're going to be able, if you're making money, you can afford to pay them a decent wage. That's good. Well, I, I often heard over the years that, that there's a lot of money. Now, I don't know if that's for four, but this is just what's commonly said for minorities, so-called to come in and get funding for businesses or whatever the case may be. But what I've heard is some people just don't come get it. They don't apply for it. They don't fill out the paperwork. Is that true? And can you go into that? So, okay. So I'm going to say 
uh, yes and no. And let me just talk about yes and no. So first of all, there are like the PPE money. There was a lot of money that came into the community. So there was a lot of money that came from the federal government. There's getting ready to be more because President Biden and his multi-trillion dollar uh, package. But it's it's the reason our people may not apply for it, Ben, is just what I talked about. They don't know how to fill out the paperwork. And, you know, so they're big, you know, you get warned all the time. You don't play with the federal government. If you feel something out wrong or you take their money, uh, you could go to jail. And so people, because they don't know, they're afraid. They go, oh, the pro program product project is too long and onerous. I don't want to do this. I don't have time for this. And so they walk away leaving money on the table. But guess what? That's by design. They scare us to death. Do you know I sat in a meeting with uh, the Nepalese Chamber of Commerce and I sat there and they had everybody bring their paperwork. They sat there and helped them fill those forms out correctly. And we don't always do that. The city has a program that uh, helps to administer those grants. We need to be making sure that we are working with our citizens in the community to make sure that they fill it out right and they get those funds. Um, is there a way or is it already being done where somebody can teach maybe financial literacy on maybe two days out the week or uh, pick a couple weekends that this this can be happening and everybody maybe in the community can be reached at one. I don't know if some millers can go out, something, City Hall can send out something to let people know so that more of the community can understand. Because just from my vantage point, if the community does better business-wise, it should only help the city of Fort Worth versus hurting the city of Fort Worth. So what's your thoughts on that? I love you. You're talking my whole plan. And that's my thing is when we neglect one community and we don't give them an opportunity to thrive, it hurts every community, whether you know it or not. You may think that you're living good in your neighborhood, but when there are other neighborhoods where people are suffering, homelessness goes up, crime might go up, your taxes might go up. So you're going to pay for it in the end. And so Absolutely. So you mentioned two things. One, I think, has to do with communication and one, the other has to do with resources. There are programs at the city that are, are set up to do this. We, the city, and I'm talking now as a potential city leader, have got to be better at communicating what these programs are and and communicating to me means not putting a notice in the newspaper on page 22 that's about this big that right. we're going to do it. It means getting out of City Hall, being in communities, talking about them, going everywhere and saying, we're going to do this on this Saturday. We're going to do. We're gonna. And so you're right. I know that sounds a lot of people say, well, email is faster. We're in the digital age. We all people learn different ways.
ways. In some of our communities, we don't even have Wi-Fi. So how are they going to get an email? We've got to be very aggressive in communicating these things to the, our community. And then we can't do them once and say, well, I did it and only two people showed up. We have to do it over and over so that people begin to see our consistency and people believe and start to trust that we're there to do right things. Here's my thoughts and I want to get your response on it. Uh, the Honorable Mr. Louis Farrakhan was interviewed during the Million Man March. And one of the aims was for us to mm -hmm. create businesses and be able to give jobs and not even really just give jobs, but teach them how to do for themselves. Because if they focusing on and depending on the job, once that job uh -huh. is and all they was thinking about is a job, now they're behind. So a lot of these businesses that mm -hmm. failed because of COVID, well, the people that was only there for a job, but they wasn't there to learn how to do something for themselves, they fell off as well. And we're taught that a youthless movement is a useless movement. And if we're talking about the future of Fort Worth, we have to invest into the youth right now because the youth is the future. So what about a budget for the youth who are in the streets, the youth who have single parent households, the youth who, the youth who have parents who don't know financial literacy to even teach them, have a, a program set up or brothers and sisters set up to, to help set them up with, with, with lawn care uh, uh, equipment, help, help them set up uh, digital real estate, which is something that I teach, help them create businesses so they can go out and be cutting the yard, so they can go out and be picking up trash. Because if they don't have something to do, we know that the idle mind is the devil's workshop. And so we can't tell them to come out the streets, stop selling drugs, stop killing, stop robbing. And then you say, I don't have anything to offer. So what's your thoughts on that? Maybe having a budget for our young people. So, Ben X, you've been listening to me, so you've been already listening to my platform. So let me tell you two things. Let me talk, number one, about education, and then I'm going to talk about when our kids are out in the streets. Number one, we have to do, we have to be joined at the hip with these school districts. So let me just tell you, just saying, you know, so I'm going to tell y'all, my kids are 43 and 40. I have a bonus son that's 23, that's graduating from college, but my kids are grown. And it always drives me crazy when I hear people say, oh, I don't have any kids in school. I'm done with that. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because the children who are in school today are people who are going to be making decisions about your life in 10 and 20 years from now and 30 years. And so if we're not focusing on making sure that those students in school get the best possible education, we are dooming ourselves right. to uh, in the future. And so I have already reached out and I've said, I want to work very hard with the school systems to talk about curriculums. What are our kids learning? To talk about what are the needs? If I'm talking to a business about moving here, and let's say the business is a lawn care business. I talked to a, a street sweeping company this morning. If, if they're, if, if they're going to come here, I'm going to talk to them about, you know, let's train our kids how to be good industrial drivers so they can get these jobs and make, you know, 18, 19, 20 dollars an hour so that they can start to feed their families. So that's that's point one is we have to be joined at the hip with schools and programs that are going to help our children and enrich our children. And so the second thing is you said, what can the city do? So I talk a lot about the CCPD funding. 
That was funding that we voted on, which was a half cent sales tax to go to crime control and prevention. When you hear people talk about CCPD, most people think, oh, well, that's all crime control. No, it was crime control and prevention. And prevention is defined as those things that take place in a community that can help keep crime down and deter crime. So I'm going to give you a really simple um example and i don't want anybody to to laugh and say is that it but do you know that when that program first came about they had something called midnight basketball it meant that all the community centers stayed open late and they stayed open on the weekends till past midnight so that young men and women could be off the streets you know rather than being out in the middle of the streets at night they could come in an environment and it was as simple as just playing basketball i mean but it kept people off the streets you can have programs that talk about uh homelessness domestic abuse elder abuse you know there are all kinds of programs we can put together so i am with you on this i think if we we have to give people in this city an alternative and you're talking about crime and things give me an alternative to crime give me a chance to go learn a skill give me a chance to go intern someplace give me a chance to not be on the street you know at one and two in the morning and have someplace positive to go so those things the city can get involved in those you know gang intervention we talk about that a lot so it's called the there's that monies that are there but i want to find more money i want to find monies to help fund these programs and that's what my job as mayor is is to go out and look for opportunities for the city indeed and for and just to be clear for those who do have programs for those who do have ideas nonprofits, whatever the case may be what is the process that our community is ignorant about for the funds that are there. So we know we want to go get more funds, but for the funds that may already be there, what is the process they need to go through to go get it so that we can improve the work? So we have a small business uh, like incubator at the city. We have several programs. So one of the things we need to do, Ben, and because I'm not elected yet, I can't tell you exactly how many programs, but we need to be about the city leadership team needs to be out in the communities talking about these opportunities. And so we need to make that information widely available. And it's just what I was talking about, going to do meetings in the community to talk about these opportunities. And pretty soon, yeah, the first meeting, you may only have a couple of people to show up. But when the word gets around that we are willing to share information about these programs, people will start coming out. Indeed, indeed. So for those who would like to vote, they love your spirit. They love what you're saying. They'll support your agenda. What is it a website that they go through? Is it a location that they go to? How do they vote on this early voting? Yes. So, okay. So let me tell you. So you can go to my website right now, Deborah Peoples for Mayor. And I'm a Deborah. Uh, so Ben X D E B O R A H Peoples, P E O P L E S. 
forformayor.com. But more importantly, today is the last day of early voting. And let me talk about these city elections very quickly, because I told you at the beginning, local politics impact our life the most, but local politics are where we don't go and vote. And I ran in 20, thank you for putting that up there. I ran in 2019. And when I ran in 2019, now listen to this. I told you, we have a million people in this city. About 461,000 people are registered to vote in the city of Fort Worth. On, on May 2019, only 38,000 people went to vote. So I hear a lot of people complain about stuff, but our current mayor, Betsy Price, won re-election with only 21,000 votes. Now let's go back and play with the math a little bit. We have a million people, and I told you that 20% of them are African-American. That's roughly, that is roughly 200,000 people who look like me and you in this city. And then I told you that about 460,000 people are registered to vote, which is about 50% of the population is registered to vote. So that means that we have about 100,000 African-Americans who are eligible to vote. You know how many people voted in the last election who look like me and you? About 10,000 people. That's it. Because we don't see the value in voting. But I'm telling you that voting and having representation who understands issues in our community are the way we're going to turn this community around, turn our communities around, be able you know, to grow wealth in our communities, be able to create jobs, create economic opportunities. And so today's the last day of early voting in this mayoral election. We have countywide voting centers. Depending on where you live, uh, there is a center located close to you. If you live in Stop 6, you can just go. You're breaking up a little bit. The uh, you can go anywhere or anywhere. Yes, signal breaking up real bad. Uh oh. You might, you might fix you might. this. We're going to try to fix it. Is that better? I'm trying to see. I can hear you better. I'm trying to make sure your video is coming in clear. Okay. So would it be better if I cut the video off? Sometimes that takes up bandwidth and they can hear me. Mm, well, we can hear you now. I think I think we may okay. be good. Now. All right. So if, if people want to go vote, I've told you three locations that are in our communities. Uh, Southside Multipurpose Center. Also, if you live on the east side, the Hanley uh, Community Center on Craig Street. Uh, you could vote at Charles Griffin or you can, if you're in Como, go to the Viola Pitt Center. But it is important that we speak out and let our voices be heard. And so, uh, you know, I, I believe 
that that the way we make change in this country, whether you agree with me or not, but it's the hand that's been dealt to us is by the leadership that we elect. And so that is why I'm fighting hard to become mayor because I want to point to issues in communities that have been underserved and work to raise those communities up. That is why I keep talking about one Fort Worth, bringing all communities together and making sure that all communities and all residents Indeed. We have a question here. Is there is there a time to make a contribution to her campaign to help with government? Okay, you absolutely can make a contribution. If you go to that, it's on the it's on the uh, screen now, www.deborapeoplesformayor.com. And let me just tell you a little story. We have really been really blessed, been X in this campaign because our average donation is about $67. You know, we, uh, my opponent has raised three times what I've raised, but guess what? We're running a grassroots campaign, so we are getting the message out. We are getting the message out to people who historically don't vote in these elections. And so that's what it's all about. But I'll tell you, those $5, $10, $25 donations, they add up. Now, if you got, listen, the BNAs, if you have 10000 we'll take that. But I'm telling you, uh, it's important. The $5 donation is just as important as the 5 thousand dollar donation so indeed indeed thank you is there any last thing that you would like to share with them about what you plan on implementing in in, in fort worth before we close out no so i what i want is i moved here and so you all are gonna believe this i moved here in 1975 i've lived in this city on and off for almost 46 years i moved away with my job for a little while i i have seen what has happened when we have started to lose our economic base in our communities. I will tell you, you know, uh, Evans Avenue used to be uh, the equivalent of the Tulsa Black Wall Street. It was where black businesses went to thrive. They have gone away now and we need to bring back some of that to our communities because that's the way we change our communities through uh, opportunity, through making sure that people are treated uh, uh, respectfully as, and as human beings. And when I am mayor, that's what I'm going to do. And I ask for your vote. Today's last day of early voting. The polls are open till seven. Please don't, please go vote. The Look at what's happening down at Austin with what they're trying to ram through on voter suppression. If your vote didn't count, people wouldn't be trying to stop you. So I just think, you know, go and vote, let your voice be heard. And when we start electing people who care about issues in our communities, then our lives will start to change. And, and I would just like to add um, from a, I guess, a, I don't want to, I guess from a, a different perspective that's not in government that I think could help is I think a lot of time when we hear vote, a lot of people are under the impression that they're saying vote voting will change the condition. But I think it's it's it's, it's voting plus the agenda that's coming behind it that's going to be implemented. Yes, yes. I think all times yes, yes. in our community, we're so used to 
you know, now everybody's talking about the agenda when it's time to vote. But I think what would help is throughout the years or throughout the months, whatever the case may be, people are being groomed on what the agenda is and they able to give in and pitch in on what the agenda is. And the community can talk about some of the needs that they have, because, you know, from sometimes on high, they may have a perspective on what's needed, but if they could feel, and if we could feel like we're involved in the agenda, now I feel a part of it. So I feel like I'm voting, not just for someone else who came with their own agenda, but I'm voting for something that I input it in as well, which will make people see the picture a little bit more bigger. So I think as, you know, we go ahead and talk about the agendas and things that needs to be yeah. changed and, and also involving the youth on what they need. Cause I love that basketball idea. I seen that implemented in another city or state. I don't know who did it, but they said that lowered crime uh, drastically because they had somewhere to go. And we know, I mean, shoot, we've been on a basketball court with enemies sometimes and just the basketball alone kind of ended the beat because they're on the same basketball team. And you, you know, you have a friend that you don't have a good relationship with, but you're on a basketball team building up that chemistry. So I love those ideas and I hope, uh, hope they can be implemented in the city because a lot of us are basketball players, uh, athletes, things of that nature. And a lot of us as young black uh, children, we got a lot of our friends from those who was on our basketball team. So there's a lot, and I think the program is kind of de uh, degrading. I couldn't, uh, there was a lot of noise in there, but if you're listening to me, you're right. The agenda is critical. We have to be in a position to set up a plan of action. And that's what good basketball and sports teams do is they have a game plan. We have to have a game plan, but you have to have somebody in there to call the shots and to make sure that it's being carried out for it to be effective. And I'm a big one on setting up a plan and an agenda and making sure that we get input from the people that we want to serve, get their input. And then once we get that plan baked, we execute it. Yes, ma'am. Well, everybody, if you guys would like to vote on this early voting ends today. Deborah Peoples for mayor.com. That's D E B O R A H P E O P L E S for F O R M A Y O R.com. Deborah Peoples for mayor.com. Is there any way that they can follow you possibly on social media? If they're in another state and they move into Fort Worth, can they follow you on social media somehow? Is that on your website? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. It's on my website. Go there. I have a Twitter account. I have a, a, a Instagram account. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on uh, even uh, TikTok. And so if you will go to the website, you can follow me. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, family. So there it is. If you guys would like to support her, if you guys like what you heard as a start, Deborah Peoples for mayor.com. We understood what a mayor is, the position, her agenda, not just for all, but specifically uh, the black community as well. Uh, some ideas for programs wanting to be implemented, the financial literacy uh, want uh, to be brought to the community. So if you guys want to support, ask more questions. You guys can contact on social media, ask more questions. But uh, we have to include 
and improve economically uh, and, and not just economically, more so mentally and spiritually as well. Because everything starts with our mind before anybody goes to pick up a gun, before anybody goes to rob anything, they have to think about it. They have to think about it. So if we can transform the mind, we can start to transform the actions. But after we transform the mind and the actions, now we have to bring in, I believe, some type of financial literacy because now I still need a roof over my head. All right, you didn't stop me from killing. All right, you didn't stop me from wanting to sell drugs. What else do you have for me? And now these ideas, these creative ideas that's in my head that God is blessing me with. Now I got some finances or some financial literacy on how to go get it and bring these ideas into fruition. Because the minister says, if we build businesses and provide jobs to our young people, now they are busy and we can lower that crime rate, that crime rate, because you're busy now. So, man, that was a good interview. Um, and if you guys would like to support, go check out her website. My name is Brother Ben X. You can follow me on social media at Brother Ben X on everything. Brother Ben X on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Peace. Have a blacktastic day. Assalamu alaikum.